Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Today we're going to shift gears a little bit and have a conversation related to real estate or property ownership uh, in an area that uh, we haven't really done in in quite a while. We'll be talking about one of the tools that uh, provides legal ownership, and that is the deed, the property deed. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and I'm glad we've got this opportunity to return to this area of the law since we have not touched on it in a while. And I'm especially pleased to have Attorney Kelly Anderson with me. She's going to help provide some insight on this topic. Um, we've talked about a number of different real estate issues with her in the past. She is, uh, of course, an associate at Lavelle Law Limited, well-versed in the ins and outs of this topic. So, uh, Kelly, it's been a while since we've talked. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Jim. So um, I want to talk about different types of deeds and what elements need to be included, but before we do all that and get into the details, is there sort of a general purpose definition of what a deed is? Well, yeah, I mean, ownership to property passes as soon as a deed has been delivered and accepted by a buyer. Um, that's that's how you know you have title to the property. However, um, although it's not required, you also certainly want to make sure that it gets recorded so that everybody else out there is on notice that you have title to the property. Okay, and uh, that's uh, something we can talk about a little bit. Now, are there different types of deeds, or is there pretty much just one standard format? No, there's there are a few different types. There's warranty deeds, and this is the most kind of common deed that you see when purchasing a property. With a warranty deed, the seller is warranting that they are the lawful owner of the property, that they have the right to convey the property, and that it's free and clear of any encumbrances. And finally, that they will defend title to the estate if any issues were to surface. Um, more and more, we see something called a special warranty deed, especially um, with foreclosures um, and bank-owned properties. This is the kind of deed um, that you see, and the seller is confident that they own the property. However, they're not necessarily confident about the previous owners of the property, so they're only warranting title as to the time they owned the property. So if you're buying a bank-owned property, you're going to get that kind of deed, something called a special warranty deed. There's also, you'll see trustee deeds, and that's really just different in name only from a warranty deed because it's um, being transferred by a trust as opposed to an individual. Um, And finally, quick claim deeds. That's like a special warranty deed in that the seller is only conveying their legal and equitable rights in the property. Not They're not warranting anything as to previous owners or um, that they'll defend title to the estate. Hmm. Okay. I want to talk about a couple of those at, uh, and, and break those down a little bit. But before we sure. do that, just, just to be clear, when we're talking about deeds, is does it serve this, a deed serve the same purpose for a residential property as it does for a commercial or industrial facility? Is it any land or property transfer that we'd be talking about here? Um, it is. It's really the same thing. You're going to get um, a deed in either of those transactions. It's the same. Serves the same purpose. Okay. Good. Good. I was like to sort of set our audience, make sure I know we're addressing the right group here. All right. So sure. we talked about different types of deeds, and, and I do want to talk about them a little bit. But let's let's talk about the 
you know, the purpose and, and you know, what a deed does. Um, you know, what what should be included in a deed? How is it laid out and, and what's really critical in terms of what belongs sure. in a deed? There are some slight difference between the different kinds of deeds, but really all deeds have the same several common elements. One, all deeds have to be in writing and they have to be signed by the grantor, not the grantee, just the grantor who owns the property currently. Um, Two, if the deed happens to be conveying homestead property, then um, the deed must also be signed by the grantor spouse. Say, you know, husband is the only one on title. Uh, Maybe he purchased the property before he was married. Now he's conveying it. His wife also needs to sign off if it was their homestead property because she, as a wife, automatically has a homestead interest in the property. Um, Three, uh, the signatures need to be notarized or acknowledged. Um, there must be words of conveyance, and those are words like um, the seller conveys and warrants, the seller conveys and quit claims. Those words have to be in there. And the prop or the uh, deed also needs to identify the property by a legal description. And um, I will tell you, it looks like a mumbo jumbo of words, but it is um, a very specific set of words and very specific to the property and needs to be on the deed, um, either attached to it or on it somehow. And both the names of the grantor and grantee must be indicated. And it is very wise to go back and check the prior deed to make sure that those names match. Um, And if they don't, that needs to be explained in the new deed. Um, And finally, it needs to be delivered to the grantee and accepted by the grantee. And like I said before, although it's not a requirement, the deed should then be recorded in the county where the real estate is located. Okay, so you, you gave us four or five different types of deeds, and you just gave us a, a pretty healthy list of things that need to be included in a deed. Now, I I remember yeah. the first time I bought a house and, and have been through it several times, and there may be, again, we talked about people buying even larger properties for business or whatever. There's a lot going on. You're worried about finances. You're worried about the dates and, and the property and inspections. I assume that you rely on your real estate attorney to make sure that you get the right kind of deed and that it's complete and you know, homeowners or purchasers in general have to rely on the, the uh, attorney representation to make sure this is all in place for them. Absolutely. And and if, you know, this is a full-on um, transaction where it's a purchase and a sale and it's not just simply a refinance or um, a quit-claim situation where you're just retitling property, um, your attorney should be reviewing title um, at the closing to make sure that title matches up with uh, with what's on the deed, that the deed also matches the mortgage that might be being recorded at the same time. You need to make sure all those things match so that um, it is effectively effectively putting you on title. Yeah, a lot to worry about. Well, we're getting some information here from Lavelle Law Attorney Kelly Anderson, uh, uh, certainly providing a, a great deal of information in the first part of our podcast. We've got more to go, talking about um, deeds and how they provide evidence of ownership. Uh, Kelly contributes not only to our podcast, but um, you can find some work from her on the Lavelle Law website at lavellelaw.com. A number of articles there by Kelly and all of her colleagues that cover these and and other topics in great detail as well. So it's a great resource, and I encourage folks to check out lavellelaw.com. Now, as we continue here, I want to hear more about the quit claim deed in particular. Um, You mentioned that, and it seems to be sort of a... um, maybe not unique, but a, but a little different version of the deed. What, what can you tell me about that particular type of deed? 
You know, this is something I probably get the most calls on or people calling to request. People call um, who, you know, maybe bought a property way back when before they were married or before they were divorced or before they created a trust or before they had kids, and they now want to convey a portion of their property or all of it without any money exchanging hands. So in other words, this is not um, a contract. There's there's nothing going on. They're just transferring it to a family member or they're retitling it in a trust. And the quickest way to do that is by quick claim. Um, it's a simple, you know, it's a fairly simple deed to prepare, but it generally doesn't involve a title search um, and it's uh, very it's it's more cost effective. Is it necessarily the best way to do it? Not necessarily. But it is something that a lot of people if they want a quick a quick change of title, they often ask for a quick claim deed. So is there a little bit of risk or some deficiencies for lack of a better sure. term there? Yeah, you know, it's it's a perfectly valid way to give property away, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that the owner has anything to transfer. Like with a warranty deed, you know, say grandma's transferring property to her grandson, she's promising to him that she owns the land and has the right to transfer it, and uh, that no one else has an interest in the land, and that if someone tries to interfere with the grandson's interest down the road, then grandma will defend the title in court. But if it's a quick claim deed without the warranties that come from a warranty deed, and there's any past defect in the chain of title, then the grandson couldn't recover, and there's nothing really the grandma can do about it. If um, if the previous owner before grandma broke promises to grandma and title wasn't as they said it was, then you know the new owner or the new person in title, grandson, is sort of out of luck. So in other words, important details can be neglected um, when you do a quick claim. There could be forgeries in the past. There could be inaccurate legal descriptions. So um, it, it's not always the most effective way to transfer title. And in terms of limitations or exclusions, things that you might want to be concerned about, in your brief description at the beginning when you mentioned special warranty deeds, um, maybe dealing with foreclosures and such, is there also some risk or limitation in, in what those provide to a to a buyer? There absolutely is, but I think in those situations, usually buyers go into that knowing, and and if they don't, you know, certainly their attorneys should, you know, explain to them um, that they're buying from a bank who's only, you know, their their ownership is only as good as the owner's ownership interest before them, and they don't know a whole lot about that. So it's definitely a risk, but with all of those, I think those are buyers that go into those situations are more willing to take on the risk and are aware of those risks. Okay. And we, we talked earlier about uh, relying on, a, on an attorney during this type of a transaction. Um, you know, kind of walk us through again what what a buyer should be prepared to do or provide, or is this simply um, something that the attorney does, and what would an attorney do to to make sure that the deal is uh, or that the deed uh, represents everything um, that the buyer is yeah. looking for and provides some security for them? Well, definitely a deed should always be drafted by an attorney. Errors made by non-professionals can be very costly to correct if, if they need to be corrected. But like in a traditional sale transaction, you want to, like I said, make sure that your attorney has reviewed title and has made sure the legal description is accurate. Make sure that your name matches the, your name on the mortgage that's being recorded at the same time um, and that the grantor is 
the same grantor that was on the last deed of record. Same with, um, you know, when I do do quit claims, something I make sure I do, and then I, I don't know if everyone does do this, is I go and check the county records to make sure that I can see the last deed of record if my client hasn't bought, brought it to me um, and make sure that I am correctly identifying all the parties and that the chain of title is very clear. I have had situations where somebody's name has been misspelled, and it's better to um, really outline that and, and and explain, for instance, I would say grantor, you know, John Doe, formerly known as John, you know, mm-hmm. John James or something, um, so that it's very clear that there has been a slight change in the name. And then just we, we've got uh, just a little bit of time left here, but you've mentioned several times the recorder of deeds, and that's a, a name that you know we probably see during election time and no other uh, around here. Um, what's the process for recording a deed, and you know is that a difficult or cumbersome process? One that's obviously essential. You know, it, it it depends on where you're closing, but yes, absolutely needs to be recorded. It's you know, there's a small fee attached to it. If you're closing through a title company, generally the title company does it for you. If you're doing something like a quit claim deed, then your attorney may go handle the recording. You may go handle the recording, and sometimes there are um, a few other forms that you have to attach to it. But I would highly recommend that anyone talk to an attorney um, before they before they go and do it, just to make sure that they've got everything they need. Okay. Well, as always, uh, the correct advice there to, to work through a professional and make sure that uh, uh, things are in order because anytime you enter any sort of uh, an agreement, a contract, business sale, this sort, uh, uh, it's best to have someone who can do it properly for you. So I want to thank Kelly Anderson uh, of Lavelle Law Limited for being with me today. Um, certainly appreciate her time and, and valuable insight. Now, for more of the same, you can visit, as I said, LavelleLaw.com where you'll find all of our past podcasts as well as, as those uh, articles that I mentioned. And um, podcasts can be downloaded from iTunes as well, um, so you've got options there to, to find them as well as here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, coming up October 15th, Josh Nesser will be my guest, and we're going to talk about federal tax abatements, much like uh, Kelly today. Josh is always an insightful guest and anticipate a great conversation with him. So I hope you'll join us for that, and thanks very much for being here today. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 